So we're going to be starting a brand new series uh, this morning. The title of the series is Essential Tools, and I'm very excited to share it with you. Um, when I was a kid, after I had finished college, I was moving out on my own. I got my first job as a youth pastor, and I was moving away from mom and dad into um, uh, a place called Munster, Indiana. And uh, Munster is a suburb of Chicago on the Indiana side. And so I was moving there. It's going to be kind of the first time I was uh, out on my own, you know, not college, but kind of out on my own. And, and so I, was, I got an apartment and I was very excited. And before I moved, my dad came to me and he said, hey, listen, there's some things that you're going to need, some essential tools that you're going to need as you kind of do this and kind of grow and kind of go out on your own. And so he began to give me some of the those tools, and that's really kind of where this, this series kind of springs from, because I believe our Father, as well, has some tools that He needs us to have and wants us to have that are going to help us as we grow in Him, as we experience more in Him, and these are things that are pretty essential. These are things that you need to really grow into the person and the man and woman of God that God has you to be. So these are some essential tools, and so my dad gave me some of those things, and so each week what we're going to do is we're going to take a physical tool that we can relate to a spiritual tool. Uh, and that's going to be something I'm looking forward to. So every week I'm going to be bringing out my toolbox. This is my, my toolbox. And inside of this is the tool that we are going to be talking about this morning. So I'm going to open this up. And the first tool that we're going to be talking about is a hammer. Okay, the first physical tool is a hammer. Now, what's interesting about this hammer is I actually have some other hammers uh, at home, but this is the hammer that my, this is my dad's hammer, and this was the hammer that my dad gave me when I moved out. And so this is kind of a special hammer. I remember my dad using this as I was growing up, and, and uh, it, is, it is definitely, um, it's, it's, it's not the most manly hammer um, I've ever seen, you know, but for me, um, and, and I'm still not much of a tool guy, I'm getting a little bit better, but uh, I, I, um, this was all I needed because I was kind of pretty much needing just to hang up some pictures and stuff, but this is a hammer. Now, a hammer is a great tool, um, and a hammer is kind of interesting because obviously there's two different parts of the hammer. You have the head, which you use to kind of uh, pound into things, and then, uh, or the nails and so on and so forth, and you have this thing. I'm sure some of you are, are, are laughing at me because I have no idea what this is called um, other than I know this is what you use to pull out nails. Uh, and so basically what's interesting about a hammer is it can be used to build, it can be used to um, pound things in and, and make them secure, and then also it can be used to pull things out. And so it's, it's a very versatile tool. Um, I'm, I would say probably in my life I've used a hammer more for destruction than construction, but that's probably most tools that I've had. So we're going to be talking about the hammer today. We're going to be talking about the spiritual tool that kind of goes along with that. And before we really get into the message, I'd like to, to, to lead us in prayer. So Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to look at these things. Father, I believe these are tools that are essential. They're vital. They, they need to be a part of all of our lives as we follow you, as we grow in you. And so, Father, I pray that you would help me to share the words and the concepts and the ideas that, Father, I believe you've placed in my heart for these individuals during this time. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, we're going to be taking a physical tool every week and relating it to a spiritual tool, and that's what we're going to be talking about every week. And so the first point that we're going to be talking about this morning is this. The hammer relates to the Word of God. The hammer relates 
to the Word of God. And we need to understand how vital the Word of God really is, how important it is. And I, I, I have found in my, my ministry, in my life, I've, I've noticed kind of a, a very disturbing trend. And I just want to be honest with us and, and kind of talk about this. And it really is a, a, a sad thing for me because the Bible is such a vital part of who we are. It, it really is so many wonderful things that we need to, to understand and, and have applied in our lives. But, but one of the things that I've talked to other pastors and I've seen other things is, is really the amount of, of biblical illiteracy that there is. Uh, a lot of people don't really know what the Bible says. They don't really know what's there and, and what we can learn from it. And, and, and it's, it's sad because, you know, just full disclosure here, uh, it, it's, I'm not talking about people that, that don't know Jesus. I'm talking about people that do. And, and some of the basic things that we need to understand as Christians that the Bible tells us about, that the Word of God helps us understand, we just don't know. And it's sad because we're trying to grow. We want to be more like Jesus, but it's very difficult to do that when we basically don't have the instruction manual. I don't know about you, but, but I, I, am, I am married to a woman who loves Ikea. Uh, maybe not loves, but she likes Ikea. I mean, and everybody does. I like to go to Ikea. My son likes to go to Ikea because they have stuffed animals and all that stuff. But anyway, and, and one of the things I like about Ikea is, is they have all these things. But one thing I do not like about Ikea, and I think you know where I'm going here, is the instruction manual. I hate the instruction manual at Ikea. It's basically you go out and buy a a whatever at Ikea, and then they give you this book, and it's only pictures, and you would think that, I, I like pictures, you think I could figure that out, but it is so confusing, and so frustrating, and so like, how does this work? It's, it's like putting Legos together, you know, which kind of, I guess, fits. But it's not a very clear instruction manual. It's hard to build the life that Jesus wants us to build without good instructions. Our, the Bible, the Word of God, is those instructions. And it's just like that hammer. What's great about the Word of God, what's great about the hammer is this. The Word of God is like a hammer. You can use it to build your life over time. And you can use it to pull things out of your life that need to get out. The Word of God is great because in some ways it can hammer those things in that we need, that we can build our life on. But at the same time, there are truths, there's our, there, there's, excuse me, there are lies from the enemy that come in that we believe that the Word of God can help us get out. Some of us need to let the Word of God come and bring truth in, but also let the Word of God pull some lies out. And so as we start uh, kind of looking at this and this idea of the Word of God, I'd like to look at some scripture that really help us understand the Word of God and what it is and how we can use it and how we can apply it. So we're going to look at a couple of, of verses this morning to kind of help with that. The first one we're going to look at is in Hebrews 4. In Hebrews 4.12, the writer of Hebrews says this, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. I love that. We need to remember that. God's Word is alive. It's not stagnant. It is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Word of God is a powerful thing. It's a, it's a weapon that we can use. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says this, All Scripture is inspired by God 
and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. There's that concept of the hammer. Hammering in the truth, but also pulling out the lies, pulling out what's wrong. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Can I, can I just be honest? I, I try to do this obviously all the time, and I'm going to be honest whether you let me or not. I, I wonder if, and I'm just... just sharing something from my heart. I wonder if what we're seeing as far as biblical illiteracy is really based on this scripture. We don't want to be told what we're doing is wrong. We, we want to do what we want to do. And, and the thing is, with, without the instructions, without a clear understanding of, of how to put our lives together, that can become really problematic. And so the Bible does that, and we need to accept the fact that the hammer has two sides. It has a side that does build. It does help us to know what is true, but it also helps us to know what's wrong. And sometimes, I'll just speak for me, sometimes the biggest benefit of God's Word is to help me remove the things that are wrong, the things that will bring destruction, the things that will, will tear down myself and others. And so we need to understand the Bible does both, and that's a good thing. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What is that saying? What's, what's Paul trying to help Timothy understand? Listen, if you want to do the good works that God has for you, you got to use the hammer. you got to know what the word of God says. Because what it does is it helps us understand. It helps us to grow in those areas so that we can be prepared and ready and equipped to do the things that God's asked us to do. John 8 John 8, 31 and 32, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That word abide, we, we kind of talked a little bit about that last week, but that word abide really means to live, to live. If we will live in the word of God, that's when things change. Because here's the deal. A lot of us know this concept of, of the truth and the truth will set you free. The only way you're going to know the truth is if you abide, if you live in his word. If you live in his word. Because a lot of us want freedom. We want the truth that freedom brings, but we don't know what the truth is. If we're going to have the freedom that Jesus has promised us, if we're going to live in that freedom, we've got to know the truth. How do we know the truth? We abide in his word. And Jesus goes even further. He says, if you will do that, you are truly my disciples. So this is big. And again, we're going to look a little bit deeper here in a second. Abiding in that abiding, living in that, that this should be something that's not a, a once a week thing or, or every other day thing. This is something we live in. This is something we experience on a daily basis. And the final one is Ephesians 6. A lot of us know this section of verses. This is, this is where Paul talks about the armor of God in, in Ephesians 6.13. It says this, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm, okay? Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. 
and then the 17 put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. You know what's interesting about this, the armor of God illustration that, that, that Paul gives us is, is as we're looking at this, he's kind of dressing the soldier, if, it, if you would understand it that way, with different things. In a lot of ways, your only offensive weapon is the Word of God. Everything else, to an extent, is defensive. And I know you could maybe use the shield to knock into somebody. I, I, I watch the History Channel too. You know, I get all that. But you think about it, the sword is your offensive weapon against the enemy. Everything else is protective. Everything else is there so you can stand firm, yes, but there's also this idea that the sword is offensive. We saw that in Hebrews where the sword is a double-edged sword. It's, it's sharp. It's, it's, it's there to produce results as far as fighting the enemy. And a lot of us, we have this issue. A lot of us, we're fighting the enemy with nothing. We, we, we may have the helmet of salvation. We may have some faith. We may have be able to block some things. But you know what? If all we're in is a defensive posture, we're never going to go forward and defeat the enemy the way that we need to do it. And what's great about that is we have a perfect illustration in Scripture of Jesus not just being defensive against the enemy, but attacking the enemy, going after the enemy and defeating the enemy. And he does it with God's word. So let's look at that section of scripture. Let's look at how does Jesus use the hammer in combat against the enemy. And this great illustration we find in Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, Jesus is getting ready to begin his ministry. And so before he goes, he goes into the desert and he begins to fast and pray and, and begin to get himself spiritually ready for this major, major offensive, as it were, into the enemy's territory. And so he's been fasting, he hasn't eaten anything, he had any water for 40 days. And at the end of this time, the enemy comes and begins to tempt Jesus. The enemy comes, he, Jesus at is at a weak point, he's tired, he's hungry, he's wore out. Remember, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he at this point, is, is, he's ready for some, some potatoes or something good. He's ready, and he's weak, and the enemy shows up, and he begins to tempt him. He begins to try to get him to fall. And so we're going to look at each of these tests that the enemy comes against him, because I think we can learn something about the Word of God as far as how Jesus uses it in combat. The first test that he faced is found in Matthew 4, verses 2 and 4, and this is what it says. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted, being Jesus, and he became very hungry. During the time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, before we jump into 4, we got to remember something. Jesus has this ability Okay, he can do this. He's, he's going to turn water into wine. He's going to take loaves and fishes and feed more than 5,000 people. He's got the ability to look at a stone and say bread, and it's going to be that way. So Satan comes and he says, hey, you're, you're hungry. If you really are who you say you are, make these stones become bread. But this is what Jesus responds. Jesus said to him, no. And he doesn't stop there. Because here's what we do. I'll be honest with you. You know what? The enemy comes against me sometimes, and he says, hey, Aaron, you ought to do this, you ought to do that. And I go, no. And then the enemy continues. Well, no, you ought to do that. No. And he just wears you down. He wears me down. He wears... I just see you saying no. But Jesus doesn't stop with just saying no. Jesus says, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
That's what shuts up the enemy. The enemy doesn't shut up because Jesus says no. He shuts up because he says, this is what God's word says. And here's something we need to learn from that. The word of God is a daily word. It's a daily word. Now listen, I know, listen, don't, don't, don't hit your mute button, okay? I know you all, I, I know you're reaching for the, the, turning down the, don't do that, okay? Okay, don't do it, because you know where I'm going here, but this is important. This is a daily thing. This is a daily thing. You need to get into God's word daily. And here's what's great about that. We have so many tools that make that as, as easy as it's ever been. You know, a lot of us have phones that have the Bible on it at all times. If, if you like, yeah, I have the U version or whatever it is. I mean, not only do I have the Bible on my phone, I have 45 translations of the Bible on my phone. I have, I have plans. I have scriptures. And listen, if you go, oh, but, you know, I, I don't know how. I don't, we're we're going to talk about that later. But here's, here's a good place to start. Are you ready? Here's a good place to start. I don't know if you do this on your phone, but if you have the U version app, there is a way and, and, and where, where you get a verse a day. Have you seen that? Okay, you get a verse a day. Listen, do it, start small if you have to. Do a verse a day. It, it'll pick it for you. If you want to do a read through the Bible through in a year plan, great, awesome. Is that great? Absolutely. But start with a verse a day. This is a daily thing. If all you ate was once a week, you'd be starving. If all you ate was, was what, what is given to you or pre prepared for you on a Sunday or, or, or whenever you may be watching this, listen, you are not going to have enough to eat. You are going to be weak and you are not going to be able to stand firm against the enemy the way God wants you to. This is a daily thing. And I know it can seem big and I know it can seem um, like I don't understand and, and all those things. But listen, can I just be honest with you? Those excuses aren't good enough. You can do a verse a day. You can do a verse a day. Okay? But this is a daily thing. You're taking in that nourishment every day. You're feeding that spiritual side of you every day. And as you get more uh, uh, grow and as you get more mature and as you get bigger, you're going to find that it's going to be uh, even more. You can take in more nourishment and more those things. But, but you've got to start someplace. Okay? But this is a daily thing. Every day we need to be taking in that nourishment because the word of God is, is life to us. It's, it's, it's bread to us. It's nourishment to us. And so the first test, Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not going there. This is a daily thing that I'm going to experience. Test two, Matthew 4, 5, and 7. This is what it says. Then the devil turned to him, or excuse me, took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Mmm. Mmm. Man, our enemy is smart. Oh, he, mmm. What's he do? What's he do in this situation? In this situation, the devil's like, okay, you're quoting scripture? Fine, I'll quote it too. And he literally quotes from Psalm 91. See, in this moment, what the enemy is trying to figure out is, okay, yeah, you may know the word, but how well do you know the word? You know what I found? 
there's a lot of people that can spew off some stories. They know about David and Goliath. They know about Moses. You know, they, they saw the Prince of Egypt movie or something. You know, they, they know all this stuff to an extent. But one thing the enemy will do is he will take the Scripture out of context. He will twist it. Man, if I could tell you what I see the enemy doing the most in, in our world and in, our, 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 in my life and probably in yours, is he takes things that God has placed for good and he twists them. And, and here's, the, here's, the, here's the just truth. I'm just being honest with you. You can almost justify any activity in your life from Scripture if you're willing to take the Scripture out of context. If you're willing to just take a verse here or a verse there, you'd be surprised how much and how much I see. And, and, and you know, we, we just got done with, with the I am statements of Jesus. And what did we do pretty much every single week? I gave you the setting. I gave you the context. I wanted you to understand that these, these statements were not made in a vacuum. There was things going on that brought them more life and helped us understand them a little bit better. Listen, the enemy is not afraid to use scripture against you. You need to know not just what it says, but what it means. That is becoming more than just reading it and just, that's where you begin to really look at it and dissect it and really grow in it. So the enemy does that. The enemy says, hey man, but, but this is what it says, right? This is what it says. You should be able to do this. And he twists it. And so many times in our world today, I'm seeing that over and over and over. And, and, and why is that successful? Why is that? It's quite simple because quite honestly, most of us, we may know the Bible. And follow me here. I've, I've used this illustration before. We may know the Bible, but we don't know the Bible. We don't know it well. We don't know what it's really communicating. And so we'll use it to justify behavior. We'll use it to, to do this and that and, and be able to and, 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 and go with this idea of how the enemy's twisted it. And so he quotes scripture to Jesus. He says, hey, Psalm, Psalm 91, this is what it says. This is what it says. But in verse 7, Jesus responds. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So Jesus here comes back and says, listen, Satan, you're taking that verse out of context. That's not what this means. And here's the thing. What, what we need to be able to do is when the enemy comes, or listen, or other people come, whether they have a pastor in front of their name or not, and they try to sh share things that, that are not that are taken out of context, that are not what God's word says. We need to be able to have the knowledge and the wisdom to say, listen, listen, I love you, but, but that isn't right. That is not what God's word is trying to get us to understand. And the one thing that I think we can learn from this is the word of God is always the right word. The word of God is always the right word. Because the enemy loves to twist it and loves to cause there to be issues in that. Test number three, the final test in Matthew 4, 8 through 11. In Matthew 4, 8 through 11, this is what it says. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Verse 10, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For once again, once again, 
For the Scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Throughout all of these, we see the enemy coming, the enemy attacking, and Jesus fighting the enemy off with Scripture. Every time. He doesn't just say no. He doesn't. He fights with Scripture. And you know, one of the things the enemy loves to do is the enemy loves to offer God's plans for us too quickly. Too quickly. You, you see, what, see what the enemy offers Jesus here? He offers him, hey, listen, if you only bow down and worship me, I will make everybody else worship you. You know what's interesting? In Scripture, we know there will be a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But you know what? That day hasn't come yet. But it's coming. And what the enemy loves to do is he loves to basically take those ideas and say, you know what? I'll give it to you now. I'll give it to you before it's time. And you know what? That can lead to some really big problems in our life. You know, one of the scriptures that we love to quote, we love to put it on things at Hobby Lobby, is, is, is Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you. We all know that verse. We've seen it plastered on bumper stickers and t-shirts and signs. But do you know what the context of Jeremiah 29 is? Have you ever actually read that chapter? You know what it's basically happening? God is communicating to the people, hey, listen, you're going to be in captivity for the next 70 years. That's the context of that whole thing. Now, we don't know that because we like Jeremiah 20. Oh, I like the plans that God has for me. You know, you know, what, you know what we find in that? You know, to prosper me and all those. Oh, yes, 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 God, yes. That's what I want. That's what I want. God is saying that, but he's also saying you're going to be in captivity right before it in, in verse 10. You're going to be in captivity for 70 years. But then he says, but listen, I know the plans I have for you, and the plans I have for you are good. You see, what we tend to do is we want to grab a hold of Jeremiah 29, 11, and we don't want to deal with the rest of Jeremiah 29. And see, this is what the enemy's trying to do here to Jesus. He's saying, hey, get it now. Take it now. You don't need to wait. You can have it right now. And the thing was, Jesus hadn't accomplished his mission yet. Jesus hadn't done what he came to do yet. Now listen, that's going to come. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That will come. And sometimes what the enemy loves to do is try to get us to mess up on the timing of God's plan for our lives. Sometimes he wants us to look so hard at Jeremiah 29, verse 11, that we forget that Jeremiah 29 is a story that, yes, God's going to do it, but there's going to be 70 years of captivity before it really hits. And see, what happens is when we do that, when we focus so hard on verse 11, we get upset, we get bitter, we get frustrated, we get angry, and we forget the promise that 2911 really is. The promise is, hey, even in those moments, even in that 70 years of captivity, I still have a plan for you. And that plan is good. That plan is good. And what's so amazing, really, if you think about it, when we really understand what the whole chapter is saying, verse 11 becomes even greater. 
it becomes even more amazing because it says, hey, listen, even though you're going to go through hard times, I'm with you. Even though things are going to get difficult, I'm not going to leave you. I still have a plan, and my plan for you is good. So when we really see the whole of this, it can change everything. And so the thing we need to learn about that is this. The Word of God is a when and how word. A when and how word. I love that that we know that God has plans for us, but you know what? Those plans don't always come when we think they will. They don't always come in the way we think they will. But here's the thing. They will always come. Why? Because God's word is true and it promises us that. But if we don't understand it, if we don't know it, we can miss those promises. So the final thing I want to talk about is is I want to give you some some, some tools. I want to give you some things, some, some application that you can take uh, and use. And so the last point we're going to be talking about this morning is I want to give you seven ways to hammer God's word into your life. Okay? Seven ways. Some of these are going to be fairly simple um, and easy, but I think they're still important. Number one uh, of, number, of, of seven ways. Number one, read it. Okay? Read it. Okay, look at 1 Timothy 4.13. It says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Listen, read it. Read it. Listen, you go, wait, I'm not, I'm not so much of a reader. Hey, get it on, get it, get it read to you. Just read it. Know what's there, okay? Know what's there. Take the time, read it, schedule it, make it a priority. But listen, we can't follow it. We can't use it to build our lives or pull out things that aren't supposed to be there if we don't know what's in there. So read it. And, 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 and that's an important thing. Take the time to read it. Number two, number two, hear it. Hear it. Look at Romans 10. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about let me, let me help you with something. Why do we do what we do here? Okay? Why do you sit in your, your pajamas and, and your home for this time? And, and, and listen, um, and when we get back together, hopefully really soon, um, please, please don't come in your pajamas, okay? Just so we understand that. But um, why do we do what we do? Why? Because it's important that you hear the Word of God. It's important that it is spoken over you. We've talked about this so much. Words are powerful. They're important. And so one of the reasons that, that I share every week is because it's important that you hear God's word. It's important that you hear it in, in, in settings like this. And here's what's great about this. And again, you need to be careful, but there are so many opportunities to hear so many amazing people that are much better than I'll ever be share the word of God. Okay? And so you can hear it so much. I mean, you can literally sit down today and listen all day long to the Word of God. Okay? So not only read it, but you need to hear it. And you need to hear it shared and preached and taught. And so we can understand it. Number three. Number three. Apply it. Apply it. Look at James 1, 22. But don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You got to apply it, okay? You got to apply it, okay? A lot of times, I don't know if you've heard me say this, I think I wrote it in one of the um, emails that I've been daily sending out, is, is, is knowledge isn't really enough. Wisdom is taking the knowledge and applying it, okay? Listen, 
It's not enough to, to know the word. Hey, listen, we just saw Satan knows the word. Satan isn't concerned that you know the word necessarily either. What concerns him is when you take the word of God and you apply it in your life. When you know what it says because you've read it, because you've, and we're going to talk more about it, and you actually apply it. You say, you know what, I'm going to live differently because of what God's word tells me. I am going to not allow fear or doubt or, or all these types of things or bitterness grow in my heart, whatever it might be. Why? Not because you're just this great, amazing person who has the willpower to do it, but because you know what God's word says. And so because of that, you're going to do what it says and apply it in your life. So apply it. Apply it. Okay? Next, number four. Memorize it. Memorize it. Psalms. 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Memorize it. Why? Why is that important? Simple. Because it's kind of sometimes awkward at times we have a conversation with someone and say, you know what, um, I know God's word says something here, but let me find it. Let me get my, you know, we used to have to pull the Bible out, you know, or, and, and now we pull out our phones and, okay, I think it's in, uh, I think it's in uh, Nehemiah maybe, or, or maybe it's in the Gospels, uh, uh, I'm not sure memorize it. Hide his word in your heart. You know what's, 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 what's kind of, I, I don't know if the word's sad, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be harsh here, but, but how, how many people don't know the word of God. They can't recall it. They can't say, well, this is what God's word says. You know what's interesting, and I don't know if you're like me in this, um, and, and, and probably you're not because it's kind of annoying, but, but I have this bad ability of memorizing um, lines in, in movies or in plays or in music. Um, I don't know, maybe it's because we've been kind of um, in our house for a little bit too long, but Emily and I have kind of started to like go back and listen to like some really old 90s uh, Christian music, you know, so like we've had Third Day on the player and we've had Stephen Curtis Chapman and, and you know, um, Driver 8 and I mean, and, and All Star United, all these bands that most kids are going, who are you even talking about? I'm really showing my age or whatever. And we've been listening to those. And you know what I found? I can still sing those songs. I know the words. I have not heard some of those songs in 20 years. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know that. You, know, you just rattle it off. How am I able to do that? Why? I'll tell you why. It was important to me at the time. It was important to me at the time. It mattered to me to memorize them. And here, how did I do that? I did it through repetition. I did it because I heard that song over and over and over and over and over and over again. You say, well, I can't memorize. Yet here, here's a good way to learn how to memorize. Repetition. Read it again. How do you know John 3.16? Easy. You've heard it over and over and over. How do you know Jeremiah 29.11? You've seen it over and over and over and over. You want to memorize? Get in the word. Repetition. Okay? But that can be so powerful. Because what you can do is you can be having conversations with people and, and sharing life with people. And you don't have to say, well, you know, in Luke 5, this, you could just kind of share, you know? You know, I believe that this is the thing and you can share that. And you can express that and it can make a big difference. So memorize it. Memorize it. Show that it matters. Next, meditate on it. What's meditate mean? Think on it. Think on it. Look at Joshua 1.8. It says this, study this book of instruction continually. 
Meditate, think on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything that's written in it. Okay, now that's important to catch. Okay, study it, look at it, but look at the promise that's attached to it when we do that. Only then will you be prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then. Listen, all of us want to be prosperous. All of us want to succeed. All of us want our kids to be prosperous and our kids to succeed. All of us want to have that happen. How can we do that? We study this word of God continuously. We obey everything written in it. If we'll do that, God will make us prosperous and succeed in everything we do. And here's what's so great about that, because sometimes we misunderstand this. That idea of prosper and success is not man's idea of prosper and success. It's God's. And trust me on this, God's idea of prosper and success is better than what man's is. Because it's eternal. Okay? It's eternal. So you meditate. Think on it. What, what, what does God's word say here? How should I respond to this situation? You look at it and you, 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 you meditate on it. And then we can have success. Next, examine it. Examine it. Look at Acts 17, 11. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. And this is important. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. I've told you this. Study what I say. Look into it. Study, look in and, and, and see what, what's true and what isn't. God's word will help you in that. And I try, obviously, very hard to make sure that the things I share with you and, and prepare for you are, are from God's word and come from God's word and are true because of God's word. But don't take my word for it. Examine it. Study it. Look into it. Dig deep. And find out what God's word is saying. Examine. And then the final one. Number seven. Share it. Share it. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. You know why I put share it last? Because if you want to do that effectively, you got to do one through six first. Okay? You got to do one through six first. You gotta, you gotta know what it's there. You know, one of the things that I think that can be so damaging, and I think it's very easy to see, is there are Christians that go out to share without doing one through six well first. And when that happens, some bad stuff takes place. Some bad stuff. We are called, every single one of us, to share God's word, but to do it effectively. We've got to be in God's word beforehand. I'm going to invite John to come on up. He's going to play quietly as we close. God's word is our hammer. You know what's interesting is, and the reason, again, why we use the idea of a hammer and, and, and God's word is, I, I would dare say that most homes in this country, if not all homes, probably have some type of hammer. Now, it may be a hammer like my hammer here um, that's kind of small, or it may be big, but, but there's hammers. And you know what I kind of found? And, and maybe it's not quite so much as it must have used to, um, but especially like when I was growing up, it seemed like every home had a Bible. I know today because of uh, the Gideons, um, most every hotel room has a Bible. 
It's something that so many of us have. But unfortunately for a lot of us, our word or our hammer has kind of sat there and it's just kind of become a decoration. It hasn't become something that we use. It hasn't become something that has changed our life. And you see, that hammer is there to change everything. It's God's love letter to us. It's God's instruction manual. It's God's help of how to build your life. It's God's way of showing us how, you know, some of the things that we need to pull out, those, those lies from the enemy. Jesus was able to combat the enemy's lies by the Word of God. He didn't get into an argument. He didn't say, well, you're wrong and I'm right. Nana, nana, boo, boo. He just simply gave the enemy the hammer. He said, no, this is what God's Word says. This is what God's Word is true. And I'm going to build my life. I'm going to build my ministry. I'm going to build my family. I'm going to build my marriage. I'm going to build my, my business. I'm going to build everything on that Word of God that is true. And you know what? At the same time, when I allow things in my life that don't belong there, I'm going to use God's Word and I'm going to pry them out because they don't belong. Like I said, a verse a day. Start there. I've given you seven things that you can look at every single day. How, how can I read it? How can I listen to it? How can I examine it? How can I do all these things? But listen, you've got to understand something. If you are going to become the man of God or the woman of God that God has called you to be, and listen to me, hear me, God has called you to great things, amazing things. Don't listen to that lie. Pull that lie out that says you're nothing. Pull that lie out from the enemy that says you're not special. Pull that lie out that says you're not valuable. Pull it out because it's not what the Word of God says. You're His son. You're His daughter. You've been adopted into the family of God. How do we know that? Simple, because God's Word says so. So when the enemy comes in and he says, you're nothing. When the enemy says, you can't do that. You know what we can say? You know what? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I don't have to listen to that lie. And if we've let that lie come in, we can yank it out. Not based on our feelings. Not based on what our pastor has said. But based on the hammer that is God's truth. That is God's word. But you got to know what's there. you got to know what's available. So listen. Over the next five weeks, this is a five-week series, we're going to look at tools that are essential. But I started with the hammer on purpose because it's the first step. All the rest are based on God's word. It starts with the hammer. So it's got to start there with you too. It's how we know all that we know. Because God has told us. God has shared it with us. So no matter where you are in that journey or in that place, it's okay. But today can be a new day. You Listen, you're, you're already doing great. You're already doing great. You're hearing God's word. You're doing awesome, okay? But we can do better. All of us can do better. Remember, continuously looking at it and, and letting those things come, okay? So I want to pray with you and for you that as you begin this, that you will have a new 
love, a new hunger, a new commitment to God's word. Father, we come to you right now and we love you so much. And Jesus, we thank you that you have given us this essential tool. You have shared with us what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's not. We can stand on the authority that is your word. And a lot of times people, the problem we find is, is there's no authority anymore in people's lives. It, it's kind of what they think is best in the moment and the moments change and, and things happen. And so you even find people that are very firm on certain things at certain points in their life, they begin to change and they begin, as scripture says, they're kind of blown around. But God, we have a rock and an anchor and a truth that is your word. But God, if we don't know what it says, if we don't apply it, if we don't use it, we are missing out on the firm foundation that you've given us. And so Jesus, I pray for me and for every individual that God, that you would use your word of God to build our lives, to hammer in the truths of your word that will hold us together no matter what storms we face. And God, if, if there are things in our life, there are lies from the enemy or lies from human beings that have told us certain things that are untrue, that God, you would also use your word to pry them out. Because God, it's not just about the hammer of the truth. It's not just about building our lives. It's also, and I feel like, God, this is something, just feeling my spirit right now, this is something, there's a lot of people right now who need to hear this. You need to use the word of God to pry out some lies. There's been some untruth spoken over you that is completely contradicting what God's word has said about you whether it's a parent, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a, it, it, it's a child, there, there has been things spoken into your life by the enemy and by people being used by the enemy that have been in your life for far too long and you need to let God's word yank them out. And I can't tell you exactly what that is, but I tell you right now, Jesus is speaking clearly to me and clearly to you right now is you're sitting on your couch or wherever you're at, and he's saying, you know what? You need to use my word to pull out some, some lies. You need to use my word to pull out some lies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, I pray you would reveal that to them right now. Father, you would, you would dig down as they open their heart and you allow your Holy Spirit to just illuminate those things, those lies, those deceptions. And then, Father, you would begin to use your word to yank those things out. Those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of worthlessness, those feelings of not being good enough, those feelings of a, being a failure. Father, all those things, Father, we speak against them in the name of Jesus. And we say those are lies from the pit of hell because your word says the exact opposite. Your word says we are adopted into your family. We are yours. You are welcoming us home. We are your sons and your daughters with full rights and full authority. And we don't have to listen to those lies anymore. You created us. You know who we are and who you've called us to be. And so, Father, right now, with your word, we choose to believe your word over the lies of the enemy. Thank you, Father. 
So no matter where we're at, Jesus, I pray, whatever we need the hammer to be in our lives, that, Father, we would take those things, we use it and apply it. And Father, you change us from the inside out. And you change us because we know the Word of God and we stand on the truth that it is. Things will pass away. But you know what, Father? You've told us your Word will never pass away. We can stand on it. It's true and it's essential. We love you we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Well, I hope you have a a great week. I hope that during this time, you know, when maybe we do have a a little bit more time, we we can recommit ourselves to the hammer. We can recommit ourselves to spending time. And like I said, if you don't have the Bible app and you have a phone that can do it, download it, use it. It's a great tool. There are plans there that can walk you through something every single day. You got got things that you can use. You have resources. You just have to use them. But again, if it's even just a verse a day, start there. You can journal it. You can look at it. You can dissect it. If you have questions, I'm, I'm not the greatest theologian ever. I'm not even close to it. But, but if you have questions, talk to me about it. I'll, I'll look at it with you. We'll dissect it together. One of the greatest things that I enjoy doing with, with you guys is, is looking at the Word and studying the Word together. That's so great. I love that. So we can figure this out together. But you know what? It starts here. All right? starts here. I love you. I miss you. I hope that we're going to be together soon. And I hope you have a wonderful week. All right. I'll see you soon. Love you.